Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. It is February 19th, 2024. We are on the road. We have a court appearance in the great state of North Carolina tomorrow, so we're here getting ready. So, spent the whole day traveling, but we still are going to bring you the latest on what's going on in the world. First, another delay requested by Chad Daybell. What could that possibly be for? What is going on in the Delphi case? It's certainly not trial preparation. We have some more Parents of the Year contestants and a story about something that is just very, very wrong. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day, which is unbelievable. Let's talk about it. Good day, aficionados. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below. And remember, you can listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. All right. As I noted, we are in North Carolina. And uh, this hotel, it's uh, Marriott, um, one of their collections, so to speak. Very nice. Little different color scheme than I would usually say that, you know, let's just say it's not me. But it is literally around the corner. Uh, out the steps and about, I don't know, 100 feet to the local attorney's office, and we're just right across the street from the federal courthouse. So it is perfect, only here for a couple of days, so it's all going to work out. Okay, let's get to the news. Chad Daybell, okay, he's set for trial on April 4th. And what has happened? Yes, that's right, his attorney Mr. Pryor is asking for yet another continuance. As you may recall, in early January, he wanted to get off of the case because he was broke. He didn't have the support staff. He didn't have another attorney to do all of the work. And he didn't have anyone to do the mitigation that's required in a death penalty case. What could possibly go wrong? Anyway, John Pryor talked his way back into the case saying it's not about the money. And then somehow, here we are. But what is going on? Apparently, the FBI have turned over to the prosecutors in Idaho some evidence that they have from the case in Maricopa County in Arizona, where Lori Vallow is facing yet more conspiracy to commit homicide charges. So apparently, there's a report that was turned over that relies on emails from Lori Vallow's brother, Alex Cox, who shot and killed Lori's ex-husband. Now, the state of Idaho has objected to the request by Daybell's defense team for another trial delay. As I noted, it's supposed to tar start on April 1st in Ada County. Let's get this thing going. All right, now let's see here. Alex Cox is dead. So he's not going to come to court. Lori Vallow, her emails, regardless of what is said in this email, what evidentiary theory does the defense think they're going to get it in under? The dead man is not there to testify, not subject to cross-examination. What he would have to say, completely inadmissible. Unless Lori Vallow says, hey, uh, Alex, uh, don't harm my kids, or I can't believe you harmed the kids without my knowledge. Only way that's still coming in is if Lori Vallow were to come to testify to it. So I'm not sure what the defense thinks they need as far as further time to investigate. We already know Vallow 
this attorney doesn't have investigator or limited investigative uh, team. So it's not like he's going to do anything. Just another tactic for delay in this particular case. Sorry, sometimes it may be helpful to the defense. Sometimes it may hurt the defense. But eventually, Mr. Pryor, eventually you have to just go try the case. All right, next on the docket, the Delphi murders. All right, Richard Allen, the man's life is on the line. Whether he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison, you would think the prosecutors would want to focus upon, I don't know, trial preparation. But the prosecutor there is more interested in that prosecutor's guy named Nick McClellan. He is more interested in holding the attorneys that are representing Richard Allen, uh, Andrew Baldwin and Bradley Rossi. He is more concerned with them being held in contempt. Why? For making statements about the case, in violation of the gag order, and mishandling of evidence. Now, as you may recall, Bradley and Rossi were put back on the case, so they're the new old attorneys on the case, and they're causing a lot of hate and discontent for the prosecutors in this case. And I get it. The prosecutor doesn't like the defense attorneys. The judge doesn't like the defense attorneys. But guess what? Richard Allen has a right to these attorneys, and the Indiana Supreme Court said he has a right to these attorneys. So go try the case. Go focus on that. If there is contempt proceedings to be had or some sort of disciplinary action to take against the attorneys, it is when the case is over. Now, I don't know. Maybe there is an Indiana attorney out there that can fill me in on what Mr. McClellan is trying to do. This is not the, the contempt situation of the century. It really is not. These attorneys, should they have done a little better, right? When you have a trusted former employee that comes in. I mean, think about it, ladies and gentlemen. If you're an attorney, your old paralegal comes in. Hey, what's going on, man? This is the biggest case of my life. Oh, it's crazy. You're not going to believe the stuff we got on it. Hey, hold on. I got to take this call. Paralegal goes into the war room the conference room where all the stuff is laid out, and unbeknownst to the attorneys, takes pictures. Are we saying they're in contempt for not um, uh, watching the old employee 24-7? Made these materials available to him. It's not like they were out hawking them on the street corner saying, hey, check out these documents protected by a protective order. It just seems petty, Okay. Now, it wasn't me that was held in contempt, but let me tell you a great contempt story. There was, uh, let me tell you two stories. One was a situation where an attorney basically was in another courtroom. The judge got mad at him. There was an exchange, and this attorney had been around. He's not going to take crap from this particular attorney. And the judge says, fine, boom, I'm going to hold you in direct contempt. I'm going to fine you $500. Not a small amount of money, right? 500 bucks. And this is probably 15 years ago. And you know what the attorney said? Instead of saying, hey, judge, I'm sorry, disrespect, let me do the little genuflect in front of you. Uh, it will make you all feel better and you'll, you'll take it back. And the attorney said, you know what, your honor, where do I pay that today? I love it. I love it. Um, and I have another one where a client was going to be held in contempt. He was being sentenced on a case and he kept saying, your honor, but I'm 70 years old. And the judge says, I know that. And if you say one more word, 
instead of 30 days in jail, it's going to be 60 days in jail. And my client says, but your honor, that's three words, another 30 days in jail. That's direct contempt. That is what is supposed to take place, ladies and gentlemen, when something goes on. Not this nonsense. And now the defense attorneys for Bradley and Rossi, they want to take depositions, um, which is kind of, this could actually backfire on the prosecution because the uh, attorney for Bradley and Rossi want to depose four individuals. In Indiana, you get to take depositions of witnesses. Wouldn't that be great? Most states, you don't get to do that. A witness shows up, a trial, that's the first time that you probably ever get to talk to them because they won't talk to your investigator. So the uh, attorneys for uh, Mr. Bradley and Rossi want to uh, uh, have a uh, deposition of Sergeant Jerry Holman, uh, Detective Ben Rector, Steve Mullen, uh, who's from the prosecutor's office, and Mitch Westerman from the prosecutor's office. The other ones are from the Indiana State Police. And, um, you know, I guess we'll get to the bottom of it to see if, in fact, uh, they are, uh, you know, leaked evidence uh, after uh, taking photos, I guess. We'll see. We'll see. It seems like a big waste of time to me. But the defense has turned it into a situation like, okay, really? You want to you wanna have a hearing? Well, let's go use this opportunity to depose your witnesses. I'm not sure the prosecutor thought that that was necessarily going to take place. But, hey, what can you do? Next on the docket, some more Parents of the Year Award contestants. And for everybody's sake, let me just tell you, this is a, I say that facetiously, these are not good parents, all right? And this is from here, from the state of Colorado. I leave the state for one day, the whole place goes to hell. So a man and woman in Pueblo, Colorado, which is just south of Denver, it's a good, I don't know, two-hour drive south of Colorado Springs, they've been arrested after police discovered the bodies of two young children who had not been seen alive in six years. Really? Nobody noticed the kids were missing for six years? Karina Rose Minjares was arrested on Friday and booked into the county jail, along with her partner, Jesus Dominguez, was taken into custody on Saturday. So Dominguez's two children, now identified as five-year-old Jesus Jr. and three-year-old Yesenia Dominguez, were last seen in the summer of 2018. While the little girl's corpse was found encased in concrete inside a storage unit, and her brother's remains were found in a suitcase in the trunk of a car at a scrapyard. So police confirmed that Dominguez is the father of the two children found in this situation, while uh, Minijaras is the girlfriend, but not the mother. These cute kids, it's unbelievable. So after 2018, there's been no sign, no indication that these children were, in fact, in the area. Uh, the first remains were found on about January 20th, uh, when King's storage unit was being cleaned out as the rent had gone and paid. The storage unit included a metal container filled with uh, hardened concrete, and investigations discovered the remains of the little girl. Two days later, it was confirmed that there were remains of the young girl, and the process of identifying them began. Then on January 31st, police in Pueblo interviewed the elder Dominguez, who was arrested on an outstanding warrant, and then Minjares. Now, according to his interviews, police said they had received from them they could be in Phoenix, Arizona, 
but the suggestions led nowhere. On February 6th, the investigation led police to a vehicle owned by the mom or girlfriend in a scrapyard where they found the boy's remains in a suitcase in the trunk of the car. Then on February 15th, DNA testing showed the remains belonged to the two missing children. Police later admitted that they did not even know the children had gone missing until those tests. Both Dominguez and Minajares are being charged with two counts of murder and abuse of a corpse. Now, obviously, we'll give them the presumption of innocence, but we'll give them that. They're going to sit in the Pueblo County Jail being held on a $2 million bond. What can you say, ladies and gentlemen? The cruelty of people to their own children. Unbelievable. All right, next on the docket, this is just wrong in so many ways. So an unidentified 21-year-old man from Tennessee has been arrested in Michigan. Well, what was he trying to do there? Well, he's trying to meet somebody they met online. So he tried to enroll in their school, their high school, so that he could date the student. So how did all this begin? Sometime uh, before Valentine's Day, this unnamed 21-year-old individual from Tennessee arrived in Michigan and allegedly posed as a 17-year-old and provided multiple fake names and a date of birth that was fictitious, obviously. The police called the building school resource officer who uncovered a series of inconsistency in the Tennessee man's story. The uh, suspect's name hasn't been released, but he allegedly admitted to the police that he told them that he took a plane to Graham Rapids, Michigan from Tennessee. Then he made his way to Mason County, which is about 275 miles from the border with Ontario, Canada. And uh, he tried to show up and sign up for classes. He had allegedly met this student online in an effort to engage in a relationship, persuaded him or thought he was, this is this, this was the love of his, his life. Anyway, um, Fortunately, the school employees were a little suspicious, and now the uh, individual, that's 21-year-old from Tennessee, faces charges of possession of child sexually abusive material and contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and as well as false information to law enforcement. Be careful, ladies and gentlemen. Be careful out there. You don't know... Um, who is trying to get to your kids, all right? Be careful. Please go to crimetalksearch.com, sign up for a background subscription service. You'll be happy you did. If there's anyone out there you were ever curious about, what was in their background, now is the time to do it. If you're going to get involved with somebody, now is the time to do it. When you go to crimetalksearch.com, you put in the name, literally millions of public records are searched, and a report is generated. It's going to give you a report. If they have multiple social media accounts, you're going to find it. If they have multiple phone numbers, multiple email addresses, it's going to be found. And more importantly, you're going to get information regarding criminal history. Hopefully the person you're searching has none whatsoever, but if it's there, it's going to be found. You're going to get everything you'd want to know, whether you're going into business or whether you're going into a personal relationship, you're going to be able to find out the information you want to know. So go to crimetalksearch.com, sign up today. You'll be happy you did. And hey, it could be this guy trying to get to your kids, um, our dumb criminal of the day. 
take a look at this guy. He can be trying to get a hold of your kids as well. Uh, his name is Mitchell Cooper Vest. Big guy, 6'6", 250. And he's also known around town for wearing a kilt. Well, he apparently um, was made, had some contact with the police. Maybe, was it because he was doing something with his kilts, perhaps? Well, it is alleged that uh, Mr. Vest engaged in some criminal mischief. Now, thank goodness it's only a misdemeanor. But what did Mr. Vest do to engage in this criminal mischief? Well, police say that he entered the Antique Gallery in Houston and placed a makeup brush and a restoration hardware piece, furniture of some type, in his anus before returning in the uh, merchandise uh, back to where he had found it. Now, that merchandise is only worth $130, hence the reason why it's only a misdemeanor, but he has defiled that stuff forever. Ruined! And I don't care how little of value the actual object may have been, the fact of where he put it probably should have made it a felony. What can you do? Uh, needless to say, the store owner did what I would do, and that is to throw away the items because apparently there was some feces on it. But wait, there's more. Yes, could it get more dumb and ridiculous? Yes, it can. Why? Because it was all recorded on the store's surveillance camera. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is why people are dumb criminals of the day. Everything is recorded these days. And to think that you're going to be able to take something from the antique store and shove it up your anus and then put it back like no one was going to notice. My God, that is the dumbest thing ever. Needless to say, Mr. Vest has been arrested um, on, get this, a $100 bond. I would have made it 150 the value of the uh, property, make it cash only, so that if there is a plea, it goes directly to restitution. Where things are really going to get interesting, though, is the fact that Mr. Vest is married to the Mrs. Vest. Can you imagine that ride home? Gee, honey, how'd you get arrested at the antique store in your kilt? I don't want to talk about it. Well, now she knows. And apparently they own a home worth roughly $600,000. So apparently they've done okay for their life. And hey, I guess you just never know when somebody has a weird fetish. And in this particular case, antiques where the sun don't shine. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for you today from the great state of North Carolina. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. And remember, the Constitution matters.